Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Hope you're having a fantastic day. Today, I want to talk all about the oppositional type of behavior that we often see in kids with anxiety or OCD. And I'm going to talk about why it's different than the typical behavior that we see in just oppositional kids and how we have to approach it in a different way as well. Because if you approach it in a very typical way, it's not going to work out. It's actually going to probably make it worse. So we'll dive into that. But first, if you haven't subscribed to my podcast, please do that so you don't miss any episodes. They come out every single Tuesday. And I also want to announce that I have launched my new online class called Handling Difficult Behavior with Kids with Anxiety or OCD. And this online class is an on-demand class, just like my other ones, where you, you get to watch videos online take it at your own pace, at your own time, whenever you want to. I try to make my classes, well, especially this one, very succinct. And so it's not going to take you weeks and weeks to do. It is a very easy class that you can get through pretty quickly. And I go through how to identify your child's behavior triggers, how to figure out what's underneath the behavior. I talk a lot about handling very specific behavior, like talking back, opposition, sensitivity, meltdowns, shutdowns, rage, all that kind of stuff. And I give you counterintuitive approaches that just typical parenting approaches for behavior aren't going to work when it's anxiety or OCD. So that's my class. Very excited to announce that it's open. And I also have videos on there for kids and for teens. So I made two different types of videos, one for like younger kids and one for older kids. So every section has a video that is directly for your kids so that I can really kind of drill home the message that I'm teaching you to your kids as well. So a little extra help from me in your home directly to your kids. And it's got worksheets as well. You can actually look at the course and look at what it has to offer. You can go to bit.ly so that's bit.ly slash at behavior and you can access it that way it's it's got a long address it's actually anxious toddlers.teachable.com slash p slash difficult dash behavior <laughs> but who's got time for that so you can just go to bit.ly bit.ly slash at behavior and it will lead you to that page also just for this week until Thursday, you can get 50% off. I'm trying to find, oh, Thursday is June 6th because this is launch week, which means um, this is the kickoff of this online class. And whenever I kick off a new class uh, as a gift to all the people who follow me and listen to me and are listening to my work, I give them 50% off anything new that I launch. So if you're in my community, my AT Parenting community, that's an online membership that you pay monthly and you get weekly classes and you get access to weekly like videos and handouts and things that I do for them. They don't have to pay for this class. This class is actually going to go up on the membership for free. And so in the AT parenting community, you don't have to worry about this. Uh, you will have access to that. You already actually probably have access to that, to that class. If you're listening to it now, because I will have it up before this goes live. So 
If you want to learn about the AT Parenting Community, that might be actually even better if you want ongoing support, and that's atparentingcommunity.com. But the online class uh, for AT Parenting Community members, you get the online class. You also get access to one of my big classes for free too. So uh, that's a pretty pretty amazing perk. But for all the rest of you who are not members, but you want to check out this uh, class and you want to take it, you can use the coupon code ATPODCASTBEHAVIOR, all one word, and get 50% off. Now that is only going to work until Thursday at midnight uh, Pacific time, just to be very exact. So take advantage of that now because it is going to go away. Okay, so let's talk all about opposition. And I want to talk about why kids are oppositional first. So let's dive into the why, and then we'll get into the how. And if you didn't listen to last week's episode, you might want to listen to that as well, where we talked about controlling behavior, and that really goes hand in hand with oppositional behavior. So one often goes with the other. Normally you have an oppositional kid and they tend to be controlling, or you have a controlling kid who seems very oppositional when you don't do what they say. So they're super linked. So that would be a good supplement to listen to for this episode. But kids are going to get oppositional. If they have anxiety, they are often in fight, flight, or freeze. I'm sure you've heard that expression before. And so you got your adrenaline pumping, your cortisol pumping, and then your parent says, hey, you got to go do this. And it might be something like, hey, you got to go to school, or hey, you got to go to bed, something that's triggering for them. And they are going to have like just a flood of adrenaline, cortisol, and and they're going to have that fight, flight, or freeze response. And so it's different for each kid, but a lot of times it's fight. Um, and even if it's freeze, it can seem oppositional because they're not moving. They're digging their heels in and they, they could literally shut down. They could hide. They could not move. Um, when it's fight or flight, I guess a fight, flight, or freeze, all of those can be interpreted as oppositional because if I'm fighting with you, you know, that's, that's not going to be rocket science. We're definitely going to see that as oppositional. If I am running... I might dart. I might get out of the house. I might want to avoid. I might want to hide. If I freeze, some kids literally shut down. They won't talk. They won't move. They won't say anything. And you can't do anything with that. So all three can look very oppositional. However, it's not classic oppositional behavior. Because when we think of oppositional behavior in kids, we think of kids who want their way. They want their way because they want what they want when they want it and they're difficult. Maybe they have a hard time with authority and they don't like to be told what to do. Now that can look very, very similar to the opposition in a child with anxiety or OCD. And in fact, I've seen a lot of kids get misdiagnosed with the label of oppositional defiance disorder because they have extreme anxiety or OCD issues and they are constantly in fight, flight, or freeze. And that's a shame because if you treat it like it's a discipline problem, and you clamp down on them and you say, you know what, we're sending you to boot camp, or we're going to send you to the wilderness, or we're going to, we're going to strip your room and you're just going to have a mattress because you're being so oppositional. You're going to learn who has the power in this house and who does not, that will not help the fight, flight, or freeze that the child is experiencing. Uh, now, if it's an oppositional kid, that's not really how I would handle it either, but I would handle it in a different sort of way. Uh, And a good person to explore when it comes to those kind of things is definitely Ross Green and his CPS model. So I'm not going to get into that today. I did talk to him, but I talked to him primarily about OCD and anxiety. (laughs) So it's probably not going to be related, but you can check out Ross Green's work. He has phenomenal work. And I would look at that 
for the oppositional kid who uh, doesn't have anxiety or OCD. It's actually really good for both now that I say that, but I'm going to talk about the opposition that's coming from the anxiety or the OCD, because when it's being driven by fear, you want to tackle the fear. You want to tackle the thing that's underneath the opposition. And I talk a lot about this in my behavior class about getting to the core fear and not getting distracted by the thing that is dangling right in front of you. So you want to talk to the anxiety or the OCD, not the behavior. You want to figure out what's going on. So I'll give you some examples um, from my own life, because why not? We have so many of it going on in the Daniel's house. Uh, Last night, we were going to go out to eat. And I talk a lot about going out to eat because that is a trigger for two, actually, maybe even three of my kids. My oldest daughter, not so much anymore, but sometimes but definitely my two little ones for completely different reasons. And that's why you really want to get into the core fear and figure it out, figure out what's going on for your kid. And so we were going to go yesterday somewhere and she was just refusing and she was crying and saying, I'm not going, I don't want to go. This is stupid. This is boring. Now you can get distracted by that and you can just say, well, that's very oppositional behavior and that's very bratty. And, uh, you know, and then you can discipline it. Well, you, sorry, you don't have a choice. You're going and that's the deal. But when you know that's one of your child's core fears, instead of addressing the opposition, you want to address the thing that is, that is fueling the fight, flight, or freeze response. And so, and that's hard because you have to kind of ignore the nastiness and go underneath and it will feel very counterintuitive. It will feel like you're coddling or it will for other people around you (laughs) for sure. They'll be like, I think that's just bad parenting and they don't get it. They don't get that really what's underneath all that behavior is a scared child who's having, um, a physiological response to their fear and they are digging their heels in because think about it. If someone said to you, I'm going to just plop you in this shark tank, you would probably be pretty oppositional as well. And that's how it feels for our kids when we want them to do something that is triggering their anxiety or OCD. And so we want to address the trigger. And so last night I said to her, how can I help you? And that's become, um, something that I use a lot in my house, almost intuitively. I find myself saying that a lot when I'm frustrated and I don't even know where to go. I don't even know what's causing it. I'll say to my kids, how can I help you? And, and it seems very counterintuitive in the moment when you have a screaming child who's just appears to be bratty or entitled. And you say, how can I help you? What's going on? Tell me what's going on right now. And then you might still continue to get oppositional behavior. You might continue to get, I don't want to go. It's stupid. And then you can say, I get that you don't want to go. What's the worst part about going? And then maybe they'll tell you, maybe they won't. And if you know your child's anxiety or OCD themes really well, that might be the time to say, I know sometimes that restaurants make you nervous, or I know sometimes that you're worried about going to the bathroom or whatever it is for your child. (laughs) That's very specific for my family. And last night I did that and my daughter kind of crumbled and she said, well, I don't, I don't know if they're going to have a bathroom there. And I don't know if I'm not feeling well, if I want to go. And so I was able to help her. And then she had just lost a front tooth. And she's like, and my, my mouth is all, uh, my front tooth is really wiggly and I can't eat the food there. And I don't know what I'm going to eat. And so she started to not be as oppositional. She started to really talk about the things that were upsetting her. And so then I was able to move into problem solve where I was able to say, I will cut your food up in bite-sized pieces so that you don't have to eat with your front teeth. And there is a bathroom there, but wouldn't it be awesome if you told your worry cloud that you can take a challenge and maybe you can go the whole time without it 
and you can earn five tickets. I talk about that kind of approach a lot, um, in other episodes. And so, although I think I do have a podcast coming up on motivation. So I will, I will touch on that again in the future, but I, I will encourage her to fight her fears, but I'll also say there is a bathroom if you need it. And so a little bit of reassurance, um, and a little bit of motivation. And a lot of times with our oppositional kids, it's finding that sweet spot and it's not an all or nothing. And I think a lot of times we think that it has to be all or nothing, that we are either accommodating and enabling the anxiety or OCD, or we are empowering and fighting it. And you need to really see the gray in everything, or you're, you're just not going to survive because your child is not going to be a fighter 100% of the time. And there are going to be times where you have to provide a little bit of reassurance and then encouragement because it's their journey, not ours to use their skills and use their tools. And so me dangling the five tickets and saying you could go and you don't have to go to the bathroom, but if you need to, and you want to, that's your choice and you can was enough for her to be comfortable. And, and so then I said, bring your iPad. We'll use that in the car. So you don't have to think about your stomach hurting. And so I do try to like change the channel in their brain sometimes. And then she was fine. By the time we got to the restaurant, she was perfectly fine. She had hot chocolate and she was smiling and laughing and she was fine. She earned the five tickets and it was, it was a success. Now it doesn't always end that way. Sometimes your kids are going to be so oppositional. They are going to refuse to go somewhere or they're going to refuse to sleep by themselves, or they're going to refuse to eat something, or they're going to refuse to go to an activity or refuse to put their shirt on. And you want to get out of the line of fire. And so a lot of times we put ourselves in the line of fire pretty easily. It's a natural place to go where we, we draw the line in the sand and we say, you have to do it. I'm going to count to three and you have to do it. And when the origin is anxiety or OCD, the more pressure you put on them, actually the worse their anxiety gets or their OCD gets and the more oppositional they are more likely to be. And so it's better to get yourself out of the line of fire. One, don't make it about you if you can. And I know that you can't always do that because it's just not practical. There are things that our kids have to do that they might just freak out about, but I try to get out of the line of fire. And so I don't want to be the person pushing back. I always equate things like this to Chinese handcuffs. You know, the handcuffs I, and I've, I mentioned this analogy a lot for different things. So you probably have heard me say this before, but imagine like putting your fingers in Chinese handcuffs and when you pull them out, they get tighter, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? And so the more you pull, the tighter the grasp gets with your child and the harder it is to actually detangle yourself from. And so in a perfect world, you want to get out of the line of fire. So for example, if I have an oppositional kid who is a people pleaser and doesn't want to do their homework, and I know they had a really rough day and they're feeling overwhelmed and they're feeling, you know, stressed. And I say, go do your homework. And they freak out on me. I don't want to be in the line of fire. And so I might say, look, I know you're tired and you're stressed. And I know you had a long day. It's up to you. It's your homework. It's not mine. Um, but when do you think you want to do it? And then now that will work for some kids and it will definitely not work for other kids. In my house, it works because my kids have been, I've approached it this way from the get-go. And I think it also has to do with their personality styles, that they are people pleasers outside of the home. There are other kids who are oppositional, could care less about whether they do their homework or not, and can care less if you tell the teacher that they said they didn't want to do it. So you have to find what works for you and your kids. Uh, but I get out of the line of fire with that. And I say, when are you going to do it? And then they might say, I'll do it after dinner. And I say, okay, it's your deal. You can do it after, after dinner. 
And then maybe I'll set like a reminder. That's not me. We got, um, Alexa, we got a, like an echo dot. And so that helps a lot because I will actually just set a reminder. I'll have Alexa remind my kids. And so it's not my voice. It's Alexa. And I know that sounds really weird, but that takes a little bit of me out of the line of fire. And so I'll say, I'll set Alexa reminder and she'll tell you when to go do your homework or she'll tell you when to go to bed or she'll tell you when to go brush your teeth. So trying to remove yourself from the battle can be very helpful. If it's not something that has to happen, you want to pick your battles and just point out the consequences, uh, the natural consequences. So for example, I'm trying to think of a good example. If you are trying to get your child to go to sleep, sleep is a big one for a lot of you. Um, and has been for us as well. So, um, I'll give you an example. So if you have a child who wants you to, to lay with them and they're getting very oppositional, when you say, I'm not going to lay here anymore, you're a big boy and I'm not going to do it anymore. They're going to get very anxious and you're going to get that fight, flight, or freeze response. And then you might get them to rage. They might try to attack you. Who knows? It depends on your kid, but instead you might say something like, I love you. And I don't want whatever, you name the anxiety. I don't want your worry cloud to always win. And I know that it's your battle. It's not my battle. But if I sit here every single day and we don't progress, your worry cloud is going to win. And they'll probably say, I don't care. I just want you to sit there. And then maybe it's a negotiation where you say, how about I sit outside of your door frame? So you can't see me that way. We can trick your worry cloud, but you know, I'm still there and then see if they can agree to that. Now there might be days or weeks or months where they're not willing to budge because they're not ready yet. And regard to sleep, I have tons of episodes on sleep. Actually, if you just search um, my website at atparentingsurvival.com, go to the search button at the very bottom, type in sleep. You're going to see all the resources I've done on that. So I won't go into detail, but you're going to want to target their, their red thoughts and give them green thoughts. And there's a lot of other work that you're going to want to do with sleep to make them, uh, be able to be more successful and work on it. So it's not just giving up and being stagnant, but it's playing this balancing act with your kids, knowing, knowing when to push, knowing when to not push. Cause if you don't push at all, then you're going to over accommodate and you're going to have a child that really just lives by the rules of their anxiety or OCD. If you push too hard, you're going to have a child who partners with their anxiety or OCD and sees you as the enemy. And so you're going to fuel their issues and it's going to be stronger. And that's really frustrating because you have to find this middle ground. That's almost impossible to find. It's this magic sweet spot. Sometimes you're going to veer off too far to the left. Sometimes you're going to veer far to the right. And ideally you're going to come back to the center. I talk a lot about that. In my anxiety class, like finding that middle ground that you're going to always have to find. I think I talk about that in my OCD class too. So it's the type of parenting style that we have to have raising kids with anxiety or OCD. So in a perfect world, you're going to want to try to not get into it with your kids. You are going to want to address the behavior that is actually behind the opposition so that you can problem solve. You almost have to tune out the smoke screen that they're giving you. That is their anger and their hostility and maybe their hurtful words and address the core fear behind it and then help them problem solve that may or may not work. That might work 40, 50% of the time, maybe even less depending on your child, but it's so much more effective to spend time focusing on 
the anxiety or OCD that's actually causing the behavior than getting stuck on the behavior itself that is actually just distracting you. So if I spend this whole time talking about how you're being disrespectful and you're not talking to me in a way that is okay, but I'm not addressing what's making them feel that way, then I'm losing an opportunity. I'm losing an opportunity to teach and to actually help them address their anxiety or OCD because that will have long-term effects. That will have a long-term impact versus me just talking to their behavior. So you do still address their behavior. And I go into that in my behavior class, but you really will get a lot more bang for your buck when you try to figure out what is going on behind the behavior and address the opposition. So oppositional behavior is not fun. When I see my kids really digging their heels in for something that seems kind of arbitrary, then my red flags go up. I know that we might be dealing we probably are dealing with anxiety or OCD because my kids are not by nature oppositional. So you can also use that as kind of like a a lighthouse to an issue. Does that make any sense? A lighthouse? (laughs) I don't know what I was trying to say there, but you know, it's a good, it's a good radar. No, it's a good, I don't know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) It's a good red flag. So when my kids are being difficult, And they're not normally, I mean, they can be little like difficult kids, but not like grossly oppositional. I know that it's their anxiety or OCD. And so it's an indicator. There, there we go. Eventually my, my words are going to catch up with me. It's an indicator of probably a bigger issue going on, especially if you don't have a, just a generally oppositional kid, which most people with anxiety and OCD do not have. Although there are people who have dual diagnoses, and so there are kids with anxiety, OCD, and oppositional defiant disorder, but you want to really be careful and make sure that that is a true diagnosis and not just their anxiety or OCD um, oozing into an oppositional looking behavior because there's a big difference. Okay, well, I hope that helps a little bit just to give you an idea of how to approach that oppositional behavior. I know that it's not fun and it is exhausting. And there are some times where there's nothing you can do to fix the oppositional behavior. And the only thing you can do is pull back, um, pull back your involvement. Don't get sucked in, get out of the line of fire, let them deal with natural consequences um, and try to make it a learning moment if you can. And if you can't, then it's containment and you just move out of the line of fire because you don't want to make this about you. I do also want to mention when it comes to OCD, kids will get super oppositional if you don't do their compulsions. And I did talk about controlling behavior in the last episode. So you want to be really careful because it's a very slippery slope to to not give in because you feel you fear their oppositional behavior or they hijack you with their huge meltdowns or they hijack you with um, their big behavior. Because the more you acquiesce to anxiety or OCD, the more it will want from you. And that can get exhausting in and of itself and create a whole nother can of worms. So sometimes kids have no control in their environment, which we talked about in last episode. And so they exert their oppositional behavior. It is a way for them to exert power and it's a way for them to, to try to gain some control over a situation that they have no control over. So they're very much similar topics to talk about. They really do go hand in hand. So I would definitely recommend listening to the last episode as well. So I hope you're enjoying my podcast. I hope you're having a great summer for those of you that are in summer. I know we have a lot of Australians. That was a terrible accent. 
So if you are enjoying the show, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes or wherever you consume the podcast. I greatly appreciate that. That gives back to the show and it lets other parents know that there's some value here. Also, if you have the time, the extra time to leave a quick review, I greatly appreciate that as well. And I love to show my gratitude by ending all of my shows, reading some of them. So I want to say thank you to the following people who wrote a review. Uh, Llama Mama. I actually like your name, Llama Mama. She wrote, love, 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 love this podcast. Thank you. And DLMCMA wrote, I discovered Natasha about a week ago, and I have been nonstop watching her YouTube videos and now listening to this podcast. Thank you for all you do to help us and our children, Natasha. Thank you for leaving a review. I really appreciate it. I'm going to read a few more just because I've had so many and I want to catch up. Um, 80s Girl Mama wrote, Natasha is the best. I love listening to this podcast because Natasha is real and admits to not doing things right. <laughs> well, that's so true. She doesn't make me feel guilty for my mistakes as a parent and helps me to better understand and parent my son. I am all about being real. I am not about a facade. And thank you, 80s Girl Mama for um, the shout out. I really appreciate you taking the time to leave a review. So if you have something wonderful to say, leave a review and maybe I'll be reading your review next time. So I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do and I'll talk to you next time. Oh, by the way, don't forget to check out the behavior class. Uh, You can text me ATBehavior at 44222 if you just want me to text you the promo code and the link. So I will talk to you next Tuesday. Take care. I'm a mom of a daughter with OCD. I live in South Africa um, and it's a country that doesn't have a lot of resources for children's mental health and specifically OCD. I really was at my wit's end on how I'm going to support my child, how I'm going to do ERP, how I'm just basically going to, to parent a daughter with OCD in a country that has little to no resources. And at times it got just debilitating for us as a family and I was super lonely, Um, people weren't listening, I didn't have any support. The AT community has been an absolute lifesaver. Natasha has been instrumental in the past few months in helping us set up ERP challenges, going through them step by step, being supportive each and every step of the way. Joining the AT parenting community has been one of the best things I could have done for me and my family. Uh, Natasha has built this community and It is exceptional. I've learned so much. The support is fantastic. It's it's just been life-changing for my daughter. Um, It's so nice to be able to ask her live questions in office hours. She's there. She responds. Uh, Her live videos every week where she asks us what we need her to talk about. Uh, Also, her forums, again, where you can ask questions. She's on there all the time. She is very present. The resources she has provided, the worksheets, uh, there are so many things in this AT parenting community that are beneficial. Natasha gives you so much of her time and her expertise. She's there to answer your questions, so it's such a personal way of getting help and support when it's much needed. Personally, the community has helped me because I feel like I needed my support. And then you have the added bonus of this fantastic community of parents who are going through such similar things and suddenly you're empowered and have ways of accessing help and making a real difference to your family. And also just the support of all the other moms and dads. It's really good. You know, we laugh together, we cry together, we fail together, we succeed together. Um, and, and everybody
everybody gets it. Everybody gets it. And it's such a nice community to be with. And I hope you join us. You won't be disappointed. Try it out. To learn more about how you can become a member of the AT Parenting Community, go to atparentingcommunity.com. Thank you.